Hey there, travelers. It's your very tired DM, Lucas. And I am here. I've just finished editing this episode. It is Sunday, uh, 8.30, and I am wiped. But, damn, does it sound good. I am so excited for this one. You're probably all wondering, but why are you doing the intro to this? Well, travelers, you are in luck. I am here to bring you the good news of this episode. We have done probably the most ambitious audio drama episode that we've done yet. We have always had little clips, some of them even ranging to, you know, 15, 20 minutes. We had our amazing special, The Sacred Flame, which I think that one was around 40 minutes or 45 minutes. Getting the facts wrong on your own stuff. The Sacred Flame was an hour and 14 minutes, but it had a smaller cast. This one, Haymor, is an hour and five. All right, and we got to top that some other time. But I just want to say a very, very big thank you to everyone who was involved in this project. I wrote the scripts, but they would be nowhere even close to being as good as they are without the help of my wonderful spouse, Michelle. Thank you, Michelle, for helping me edit these scripts, bounce ideas off of you, and make them so much better. Now, for the cast. You see, we've had quite a few people join us for voices, and once again, I'm excited for you to hear this, Traveler. So here we go. A big thank you to all these people. Our guests include Daniel Angelic of Explorers Wanted, who played Nyx, the Dragonborn Chosen. We had Jess Malatesta of Rising Elathotep play Imra, the Drow Soldier. We had Mike Atchley of Dice Tower Theater play Jean, the Bugbear Rebellion Leader. We had Nikki Y, Beholder to No One, play Throfelda, the Dwarven Engineer. We had Anna Woten of Response Team Omnicron, play Javert, the Elven Captain of the Guard. Leanne Rose of Bad Heroes, played Zisk, the Lizard Folk Guard. Dre Silvertooth of Bad Heroes, played the Celestial Harp. We had Russ Petch, play Vinny, the Gnome Servant, Mag Nimjen of Rise Nulathotep, played Zygird, the Asmar Advisor, Jason Takachuk, who you know from Ballad of the Seven Dice's Draxir, and who plays on Rise of Nulathotep, was the narrator, and Nicole Snyder of the Sonova Project, played Vienna, the Human Guard, and I, Lucas, played King Leolin and Wintos. Wowzers, lots of amazing voices are in this project, and we had so many more that I wanted to include, but boy howdy, this was a lot of work. I really hope you do enjoy it, travelers. This is an audio drama that focuses on the home of Draxir, who is narrating this whole thing. And it is going to look into Hamor and what's going on in Hamor be before Death Shift just charges on in and does their thing because you know they're 
they're pretty quick about just going in, blowing stuff up, killing some people and running off because the world is ending. So I wanted to take a little bit of time and kind of explore this really cool world that Jason created and uh, show, some, show some highlights of the people that live there. And don't forget, we are being sponsored right now by Crucible Mag. Their Kickstarter is going until March 16th. You can hop on there, grab yourself some dang good D&D magazines. I got the first one, they sent it to me, I read through it. There's amazing adventures, like full-blown written adventures, the kind of stuff that you'd buy in the DMs Guild. They have amazing artwork, they have maps that you can download as well as you can order these magazines and get that real-life copy. So if you like flipping through and seeing all those good, good D&D adventures, items, interviews, all sorts of cool stuff, then check out Crucible Meg. Go to cruciblemeg.com slash ballad, the number seven, and dice, and that'll pop you right over to their Kickstarter. And, full disclosure, send a little bit our way. Help us out. So, real awesome. Thank you so much, Crucible so get yourself some real cool D&D adventures and help support this awesome magazine that is coming to you. All right, travelers, I've held you up long enough. Without further ado, I bring you the audio drama special, Haymore, A War-Stricken World. We find ourselves gazing upon a city nestled in a barren, war-torn land. Outside the grand and powerful city walls is torn and muddy earth. Remnants of a beautiful forest and lush meadows stick out here and there, a sad reminder of what once was. Large Magitek tanks move forward, their six legs crawling across the uneven terrain as soldiers follow along at a weary pace. The train leaves one of the guarded tunnels from the city, carrying new recruits who look both fearful and tired. Rushing past the city gates that are receiving the tired soldiers, we follow along cobblestone streets, racing past storefronts that have posters spouting war propaganda, past bandaged and injured veterans who beg for change at passerby. We pass by the city changed by war and come across a large anxious crowd. We surround a podium on a stage that is in turn surrounded by guards. An elven king dressed in long flowing robes and an Azamar with silver hair and red clothes of nobility stand together on the stage. Zygerd? All the peasants don't seem pleased to see me. Why do they act this way in front of their king? Your Majesty, do not fret what the common people think. You are a ruler with a divine bloodline. The commoners could not possibly understand the weight of the responsibility that you bear. Look, that one just sneered at me. The toothless one. A face spasm, I'm sure, Your Majesty. The peasants have them all the time from drinking that foul grog. Remember, my king, the harp chose you for a reason. Hmm? What harp? Oh, yes, the harp. Perhaps that's what I need to use on these worthless layabouts. All they do is complain about my war. The harp is not a toy. King Leolin shrinks for a moment as Zygird scolds them. I didn't say it was. Apologies, my king. I did not mean to speak out of line. Please, it is time for you to do your speech. <laughs> Make sure it doesn't happen again. King Leolin approaches the podium, holding their chin up high and gazing down upon the crowd. 
Many people from all over the city have come here to hear what the king has to say about the war. Most are hoping that it is news that this battle is finally coming to an end after decades of bloodshed, as hope in a victory is starting to wane. Greetings, dear subjects. It is I, your benevolent king, King Leolin. I... My power grows, Leolin. The great purge shall be upon us soon. King Leolin looks to the heavens, slowly nodding. Most just think the king to be losing his mind. <clears throat> I bring you news of our war and of the bright future of the kingdom of Tempest. As you know, the god of war has always brought us bountiful rewards and given us a strong kingdom in order to stand against the kingdoms of Bane and Tyr. Hey, get on with it. A well-dressed bugbear stands ahead above the crowd. They have a number of individuals who seem to be gathering around them, including a dwarven woman wearing the jumpsuit of the Royal Engineers. Yeah, what's going on? Is the war over? Has truth been struck? The rabble are misguided. The demons must have hit them against you. You are losing the faith of your townsfolk. King suddenly looks furious at the people speaking up at him, with the nerve as though they had the wealth and titles to say such things to their ruler. Patience now, your majesty. King Leolin shoves Zygert aside and stands at the edge of the podium. Now listen here, peasants! I am your king, and you cannot speak to me this way! The war is far from over, and if you're so quick to go against the crown, then I shall see you hung for treason! The soldiers suddenly bring their spears down, pointing towards the crowd, many back up suddenly, falling into one another. We have discovered a powerful weapon, one greater than any of you lot can comprehend. Tomorrow, you shall see the power of our kingdom, and then you may beg for forgiveness. Glory to the almighty Tempest! Glory to Tempest! The soldiers begin to clear a path for the king. The civilians are starting to comprehend what is happening and begin to get angry, pushing back on the guards. King Leolin and Zygerd begin to quickly make their way to a cart. My king, I believe this was the wrong move. By provoking the common folk, they will surely attempt to rise up against you. <laughs> what does it matter? We have the harp. That's all we need now. Soldiers are simply a thing of the past. Let us hope so. Praise be to the Shining God, my king. The bugbear and the dwarven woman pull away from the crowd that grows angrier and angrier by the second. They pull off into an alley that seems mostly abandoned. Do you now see, Throfelda? King never sought peace. He cares nothing for us who bleed for this country. All he seeks is glory and treasure. That and... Parading in front of his ever-fawning horde of nobles. Something needs to change. King Leolin treats us like fools. There is no super weapon that he speaks of. The engineers have been hard at work, improving the tanks, but nothing has been resolved. Whatever it is the king has planned, it's more than likely going to get us all killed. Call everyone to the soldiers' rest. We will show this king that we will not take these things lying down. 
Jean and Throfeldus split off in opposite directions as the crowd begins to be dispersed by aggressive soldiers and guards. Angry murmuring and the odd hurled broken bottle can be heard as the square that was once full is now just another empty, ruined place of this kingdom. We find ourselves coming upon a tavern. The sign swinging outside of it says, Soldiers Rest. The windows are slightly dirty and the rain is picking up as a few patrons rush into the tavern itself. The tavern is filled with a warm glow and many voices talking amongst one another. The tables are filled and there are people standing, leaning against walls and waiting. At the bar stands a bugbear man, Jean, wearing the fine royal blue clothing with gold trim. Standing near him is a drow named Imra. They are dressed like a soldier, swords at their side and a Magitek rifle slung over their shoulder. They are missing an eye and a part of their face suffers from burns. Beside the drow is a dwarven woman, Rofelda. Her beard neatly braided and clasped with an iron ring. She wears a bluish-gray jumpsuit of the Royal Engineers that is stained with oil and grease. On the other side of the bugbear is a dragonborn named Nyx. He wears armor that has seen better days and is cleaning a sword that is etched with runes. He has a strange tendrilled symbol on their left hand that seems to go up his arm. Jean clears his throat. <laughs> uh, thank you everyone for attending tonight. After today's speech, I think we all know now what must happen. A few heads nod in the crowd, but many look unsure. Imra speaks up, not moving from leaning on the counter. That waste of skin, Leolin, has sentenced us to our deaths once more. He will drag our corpses through this war for as much profit as it will grant him. Do not be fooled. Once he is done with you, he will toss you in the trash. More heads begin to nod. Dark looks begin to cover faces. That's right. There is no super weapon. The Royal Engineers would have been the first to work on it, design it, Hell, at least tested the thing if it was dug up from nowhere. No one has heard of anything about this. Just another lie from our monarch so that he can stay in charge. This was the last straw needed and now the crowd grows angry and begins cursing Leolin's name. You see, we are pawns. Resources to be used to get whatever Leolin wants. We cannot stand by and let this monster do more to us. Then what are we gonna do? We gather as many people as possible. We storm the castle tomorrow, midday. The crowd suddenly grew silent. Do not fear, my friends. I know what you're thinking. We ourselves have been prepared for a moment like this for some time. What Jan says is true. We have multiple explosives that will make short work of the castle walls and allow us to storm in. Your king has abandoned you and sentenced you to death. The man must be dethroned, and we cannot do this alone. We need your help to make this work. Even if we storm in, we don't have the gear or strength to deal with the guards. Normally I would agree, but after that speech today, our ranks have been bolstered like never before. The smithing guild has sent us two wagons full of weapons and armor and is ready to back us up at a moment's notice. We have never been more ready. 
hopeful murmuring begins to fill the tavern once more. The plan is a simple one. We will fire the explosives at the guardhouse, near the entrance to the castle. We will then use that opportunity to charge in and overwhelm the guards while they are distracted. While this is happening, our strike force will move in and swiftly take out Leolin before he has a chance to call upon reinforcements. Imra. The strike team will consist of myself, Nix, Thorfelda, and a few guards who are ready to go turncoat the moment the operation is underway. We will enter through the kitchen and use the servants' corridors and make our way swiftly to the throne room where Leland should be entertaining nobility. That's when we will use this experimental Magitek rifle to neutralize the nobles while we move forward and kill King Leland. Only when the king's head sits on a pike will we truly be free. The crowd begins to cheer and nod to one another. There are a few looks of confusion and one voice asks, What about you, Jean? I will be there with you all, charging towards the castle to hold off the troops. I would be a poor leader. I was not also willing to put my life on the line. The crowd erupts in cheers and praising Jean as a true leader. People come up and are clapping Jean on the back and on the shoulders. Imra turns towards Throfelda as the two of them move from the crowd and people congratulate them on the plan. You sure that rifle of yours is going to be ready for tomorrow? <laughs> Don't you worry about that. Come the Nine Hells or High Water, I'll have it ready to sizzle some pompous nobles. This thing will have enough kick to make a Magitek tank shudder. I can't believe we're actually doing this. I never thought this war would be over. It's only been three weeks since I got back from the front lines, and I already got a letter of redeployment. Fafelda, I would rather die than go back to that hell. I know, Imra. The war is over. We will topple that fop of the king and bring a truce to the lands. Cheers to that. The two clink mugs as they take hearty swigs. Townsfolk eagerly go over plans and parts begin moving as this rebellion begins its first attack. As our view flies through the city, past swerving Magitek cars that almost hit a pedestrian, past a group of solemn soldiers looking into their mugs of ale, and past the guards who patrol the castle walls, we find ourselves inside the castle of King Leolin. We see a small gnome, Vinny, dressed in the uniform of castle staff, a simple dress shirt and black vest with the royal insignia, and black dress pants. Vinny is carrying a bottle of wine and a glass on a tray. He is walking up to two guards who are standing outside a door. One guard, Vienna, is a human who is standing at a relaxed attention, leaning against the wall with their spear in front of them. The other is a lizard folk, Zisk, wearing the same plated armor as the human. Her tail is flicking back and forth, clearly bored of the grand position of standing guard at a door. We see a small sparkle of energy suddenly leave Vinny as he falters, barely catching the glass as it tips over. is that? Oh, my head. Hey, Gnome, you okay? Vienna, do not talk to the staff. We will get in trouble again. I think I'm okay. I was just delivering the king some more wine when suddenly I got this 
blistering headache. Do you want to sit down for a second? Maybe go see a cleric? What are you doing? You cannot tell the staff to leave work. We will get in trouble. Well, what good are the staff when they're falling all over, Zisk? Hey, hey, no worries. Thanks for the concern. I'm okay. I'll take a seat once I get this to the king. Vinny walks up to the door and Zisk opens it up. As the door swings open, we see King Leolin lounging on a large fainting couch. Standing a few feet away is the Azamar Zygird, the king's loyal advisor. Zygird is nervously looking at a harp that sits on a pillow within arm's reach of the king. Oh, Zygird, I don't know what to do. Those peasants were so mean to me. We should have them all rounded up and sent off to war. Now, King Leolin, if we do that, then we will just have more angry peasants making a fuss outside the castle walls. We don't want to hear that all night, do we? Oh, gods, no. Well, what can we do? We can't just let that rabble get away with it. We see another tendril of light lift from Vinny and his steps falter once more. This time, though, unfortunately, Vinny was not fast enough to catch the wine glass. It falls for what seems like eternity before shattering on the floor. You see the tendril of light lift into the air and then sink right into the heart. Sigurd and the king quickly spin about to look at the gnome. I'm terribly sorry, your majesty. Hey, won't have it again. Please, let me get you a new glass. Oh, I care not for the glass. Just bring me the damned bottle so I may drown my sorrows. Yes, your majesty. Of course. Vinny rushes up to the king and hands over the bottle of wine. Vinny's face now looks slightly more gaunt, his eyes sunken. You there, what is your name? Vinny, your majesty. I've served the castle as a butler for the last ten years. What? No, I would have recognized you if that were the case. I do not lie, my king. I was there during your birthday party five years ago. You were throwing cake knives at the staff because you wanted to see us run faster. I did that? That doesn't sound like me. That sounds like a cruel person, and I am a benevolent king. Isn't that right, Harp? Yes, King Leolin. There is no one as kind and just as you. That is why we need you to use my power to slay the evil nation of Bane worshippers. Ha! See? See what, King Leolin? What the harp said. The harp said I was a kind and just ruler. Vinny and Zygird exchange glances as Leolin drinks straight from the bottle. Vinny begins to take a step back when a strand of light lifts into the air from Vinny's body and is absorbed by the harp. What in the night hells was that? I swear I just saw that harp pull light from me. My king... Perhaps it is time to put the harp back into the vault. What? Why? Because it's eating that gnome's soul? Don't be so dramatic, Zygird. It's just a stupid servant. Wait, what? You telling me that the harp is eating me? Well, obviously, it needs more power to be able to fire a blast big enough to wipe out an entire nation. We're going to have to sacrifice a few of ourselves here. King Leolin, you must stop this at once. We do not know the dangers of this harp. 
It could start eating you or me. I told you, Leolin. Sigurd wants to use me for their shining god. Sigurd doesn't want you to win this war. Is that true, Sigurd? Is what true? Vinny, leave immediately. You don't need to tell me twice, sir. Vinny starts running away from the arguing king and advisor, clamoring through the doors. Another strand of light is lifted from Vinny, and Vinny's legs give way as he falls into the floor. Zisk looks surprised by this sudden arrival, and Vienna goes to kneel down beside the gnome. Gnome! Hey, gnome! You gotta wake up! What the hell's happened here? Zisk, go get a doctor! I'm supposed to stay at this post! Are you kidding me? Look at this gnome! He's going blue in the face! Zisk looks hesitant, and as they are about to leave, both Vienna and Zisk watch as Vinny's skin becomes saggy. Unbeknownst to them, a strand of light leaves Vinny's body and flows into the room, absorbed by the harp that is being cradled by the angry, drunken king who is yelling at their advisor. You've got to get me away from that harp. It's a demon or something. What the hell is going on? Screw this, I'm taking him away. Fine, but be quick about this. I don't want to see what the king will do. Vienna scoops up Finny and begins to run down the hall towards the stairs that lead to the doctor on staff. As Vienna is running, Finny's eyes suddenly go wide. I can hear it. I can hear the wailing calls. By the gods, what the hell is that? What the hell is what? No, I don't hear anything. Just wait, we're almost to the doctor's room. It's the sound of nightmares. Hundreds of mouths screaming at once in different pitches and emotions. The very planet we stand on fears this. Birds flee, animals hide. Monsters turn tail and run from such a being. Vienna starts banging on the door of the doctor. Doc! Hey, Doc! We got something real bad going on here, and I don't know what the hell is going on. Vinny grabs onto Vienna's collar. As a moth calls to us. We seek the end of all things, the great reset. Doomed. We are doomed. The blind idiot Godshill. Just as the door opens and an elven woman is putting on her glasses sleepily, the final strand of light lifts from Vinny and sails into the ceiling. Both Vienna and the doctor watch as the last of the poor gnome's life force fades. Just as they are both wondering what happened to Vinny, the doctor stumbles a little and we see a strand of light leave them. We find ourselves at the front gates of the outer walls of the castle. King Leolin is sound asleep inside the castle after drinking several bottles of wine and ranting at his advisor, Zygerd. Outside the castle, guards patrol along the walls as the sun starts to rise over the horizon and birds begin to chirp. These days there aren't as many songbirds as there used to be. With many of the surrounding woods and meadows destroyed, a great many of the birds have taken flight to safer grounds. We see two guards leaning over the wall, gazing out at the city which is just starting to wake up. Zisk, the lizard folk guard, looks toward Vienna. Her second eyelids slide over her eyes, clearing out their morning sleepiness. 
What do you think about all of this talk of the war continuing? Vienna, a human guard with tied back brown hair and worn plate armor, looks at Zisk surprised. What's this? I thought you hated talking while we were on watch. Well, after the king's speech and the incident with that gnome, I've been feeling uneasy. As if there is something dangerous lurking around the corner. I hear you. I've been on the fence about this war for some time now. Too much pointless bloodshed with no real resolution. Last week I thought maybe things were going to be okay with us taking back the Darkened Keep. Then two days ago I got... I got the letter. Sarai isn't coming home. Zisk's usual stern look softened. She places a clawed hand on Vienna's shoulder. I am sorry, Vienna. Sarai was a great person and a valiant soldier. They died with the glory of Tempest in their heart. I appreciate the sentiment, Zisk, but I'm not feeling the glory matters much anymore. What glory is there being blown up by a Magitek tank and not even having a body that they can send back for a funeral? Have a grand duel for the death? Sure, I can see the glory in that. But hundreds of people mowed down in some bloody skirmish over a desolate keep that changes hands every few months? It feels... empty. This is what shakes my heart. My family members have always died in battle for the glory of Tempest. I would hear great tales of their heroics, but now I feel there is no room for such feats. We have become numbers for the little mice to scritch away in their books. Some days I feel like hanging up this guard uniform and doing some civilian work. Zisk looks shocked at Vienna and takes a step back. Civilian duties? What glory is in that? Do not be foolish, Vienna. Our place is here. As much as our hearts may waver, our duty is sacred. We've been talking too much. Let's do a perimeter sweep. Vienna sighs as the two of them begin to walk away from the gate. Just as they walk away, four figures slink out of bushes, each carrying large parcels. We see a dwarven woman with a neatly braided beard, an armored drow on high alert, a finely dressed bugbear with a furrowed brow, and a gold dragonborn with an ornate sword. Okay, everybody. Be very careful. These packages are volatile and can explode if the seal is broken between the components. Wait, what? You, you should have told me that. I've been rolling around a bunch with this thing. Quiet down now. We do not need the guards overhearing us. Nix, are the discs finished charging? Yeah. Just tell me where to place them. Albedo set these things up to pop off the moment someone gives the device a mental command. Perfect. Everyone, place a disc on each of your jaws. Okay, so where are we putting these things? You see the planks of woods that are jutting out of the wall? There, every three meters? We need to place these packages at each of those planks. Then you'll place this cloth over them. It has camouflage properties, so no one will notice a big jar sitting there. Everyone attaches discs to the strange jars and watches the guards patiently. Okay. The guards have cleared out. Judging from what I've seen over the past few days, we have just a couple of minutes. Right. Let's move. Hammer! For freedom! freedom. 
The four split off and each start placing their jars at the planks of wood in the castle walls. Rofelda, Jean, and Imra make short work of setting up their jars, but the disc keeps falling off of Nyx's. Come on, come on, why the hell isn't this thing sticking? Nyx finally gets the disc to stick and throws the cloth over it. Just as he turns, the butt of a spear hits him square in the face, and he collapses to the ground. <laughs> Zisk looks over at Vienna. What do you think he was doing? I don't know, but whatever it is, it must be trouble. Let's bring him in to talk to the captain. Imra, Jean, and Throfelda watch frozen as they hide in the underbrush. Nix is picked up like a sack of potatoes and hauled off into the castle. They look at one another, with the seconds stretching from their dread, before peeling off into the waking morning. Vienna and Zisk haul the unconscious dragonborn Nyx into Captain Javert's office and drop him on the floor. The office is elaborately decorated with medals, war propaganda, and a few overstuffed bookcases. Behind the desk is an elven woman with a scar across her cheek. Her short blonde hair is neatly combed back. Who is this? Some mercenary. He was lurking near the wall. We think he had friends with him but they must have scattered when we knocked him out. He looks like a veteran. Arcane blade, good armor, some strange tattoo that goes up his arm. Javert gets up from her desk and crouches near Nyx. She looks over his tattoo and gear. I don't recognize the tattoo, but you're right about the gear. After that speech the king gave, I'm not surprised people are trying things. You don't think it was an assassination plot, do you? More than likely. It wouldn't be the first with Leolin. His father was a great man, loved by the people, and even he had his fair share of assassins. Time to the chair. Vienna quickly ties Nyx to the chair while Zisk pats him down and removes a startling amount of weapons. He's like a walking armory. Most assassins and mercs are. The thing that doesn't make sense is why now, when the sun is starting to rise? If he was up to something, he should have done it at night. Javert walks over to her desk and picks up her cup of water. He splashes it in Nix's face, startling him away. <laughs> Shit. What are you supposed to be, Captain of the Guard? <laughs> well, he's not a fool, at least. What's your name, Dragonborn? It's Nix. Look, I know how it seems, but I'm here to save you all. Javert arches an eyebrow, amused. Save us from what? Our king? The hell's with your king. He's a fool. It's that harp that's gonna get you killed. The harp? Oh, so you're a thief. Odd equipment for a thief, don't you think? What harp is he talking about? The silver and gold harp your king wields. It's going to destroy the entire kingdom, along with everyone who lives in it. The door to the office opens and Zygerd, tall Azamar with long flowing hair and red robes, steps in. Is there something you need, Zygerd? I heard that you captured a shady individual with a tattoo on their left hand. Yes, they have just been telling us how the harp is going to destroy our kingdom. The renting of a madman, Captain Javert. Send this one immediately to the dungeon. Zygerd, while you are allowed in my office, 
do take note that I take no orders from you. You are simply an advisor to the king. Can you not notice a danger to the castle when you see one? Look at them, armed with weapons and that disgusting parasite. Parasite? Nick swivels his head to take a look at Zygerd. Ah, hells. You have a cultist as an advisor? That's just great. What next? You all worship the Shining God? You take that back, you filth. The Church of the Shining God is a sacred faith, not some cult. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Did I hurt its feelings by calling you out for worshipping a monster that eats planets? Zygerd rushes to strike Nyx, but Vienna and Zisk hold them back. That is enough, Zygerd. You have no jurisdiction here. You are disrupting this investigation, and I will see you gone. Zygerd collects themselves and straightens their robes. You will regret this, Captain. I will see you flogged for your insubordination. Out before you go to the dungeon. Zygerd gives a withering stare at Nyx before leaving the office. What was that about, Captain? Damn nobles thinking that they're above the law, that's what. Listen, I get that you might not want to believe me right now, but that harp is dangerous. It is a powerful artifact from another world. It is too volatile to be used by just anyone. I need to get it back to the other Chosen. Chosen? What are Chosen? We are a group of special warriors that have been chosen from different worlds and granted abilities to fight monsters from outer dimensions. Silence falls over the room before everyone (laughs) bursts out laughing. You expect us to buy that? I bet they all have different special powers, too. And they're all mighty heroes. Zygerd is an ass, but damn were they right when they said you were a madman. I'm telling you the truth. I came from another planet that is fighting a war against the Shining God. They want to destroy everyone. I've heard enough. Thank you for the laugh. Zisk, get him out of here. Vienna, return to your post. Zisk hauls out Nyx as Nyx rants and raves about the Shining God in the harp. Vienna stays behind and closes the door. Captain, I have something I've wanted to talk to you about. Make it quick, soldier. There's work that needs to be done. This whole mess with the townsfolk. Do you really think they'll rise up? Javert stops what she is doing and looks up with a serious expression. Absolutely. And when they do, we need to be ready to protect the crown by any and all means. But that feels wrong. I feel like we should be protecting our people, not protecting ourselves from them. Our king is our country. Without a leader, we are rudderless in a storm. By protecting our king, we protect our people. If rebels come in and kill our leaders, then we will be in disarray in the worst war that we have ever seen. Far more will die from that. So yes, if our own people rise up to kill our king, we must kill them. Even... even if our king may be mad? Vienna, I am saying this for your own protection. Never say that in my or anyone else's presence ever again. Do I make myself clear? Captain, I just... Do I make myself clear? Yes, Captain. Back to your post. Zisk will be there shortly. We see Vienna leave the captain's office. Confliction between their duty as a royal guard and their duty to their people can be clearly read on their face. 
Javert stares seriously at the door as it closes, then picks up a pen and begins to write a new letter, though wishing they did not need to. We see a large band of people in armor with new weapons gleaming in the morning sun. Their breath hangs in the air. Magical energy crackles around them, cloaking them from prying eyes. In the short distance, the castle walls can be seen as guards are lazily patrolling. A bugbear in breastplate armor steps forward. Jean's hair and beard are braided and war paint decorates his face. The time has finally come! To end the reign of the Mad King Leolin. Long have we lived under his tyranny. Long have we fought this war. The armored soldiers nod, rage in their eyes. All of us have had to say our goodbyes to loved ones. All of us have felt the emptiness in our beds, at our dinner tables, in our halls. We will fight his endless war. No more! Today we make a stand. Today we fight for Hammer. We shall see peace in our time. The soldiers cheer, unafraid due to the magic surrounding them dampening sound to outsiders. Suddenly a series of devastating explosions ring out and pieces of rubble go sailing over them some hitting the arcane shield. Warhammer! The ripple of energy dissipates as the band of soldiers charge forward through the shattered wall. Quickly pouring out of the castle, soldiers rush to meet the rebels. Steel clashes upon steel, but the soldiers of the castle, unprepared and not equipped for a full battle, Castle Guard is quickly pushed back into the courtyard as the rebels move with a terrifying fervor. Light begins to trickle away from the bodies and into the castle. Each time a blade slices through an enemy, or when an arrow pierces armor, there is a sparkling of lights. As lifeblood spills onto the ground, their life force trickles away, eating the Harp of Celestia. Yes, yes, give your life to me. Give your life so that we may vanquish evil. Take no prisoners. Leave none standing. Soldiers falter for a second. They look around, trying to see where the voice came from, but then are all quickly dragged back into the battle. An elven woman cuts down a rebel and takes them aside. Everyone, rally to me! We will not let these treacherous curs into our halls. Captain! Your treachery to the people of Hammer ends today! Suddenly, behind a few skirmishing soldiers charges a bugbear. He clubs a soldier in the head, crushing their helmet and crumpling them to the ground. Jean steps towards the captain as chaos engulfs them. At last, you show your true color, Jean. You seek to weaken our nation in the middle of this war. Who bought your loyalty? Tear or Bane? Jean swings his mace, narrowly missing Javert, as she brings her shield up and duck. Ah, you should know me better than that, Javert. You've had your dogs watching me for weeks now. My loyalty is to this kingdom and its people. 
Javert pivots to the side and slams her shield into Jean's ribs, forcing him to take a step back. Our kingdom? You seek to tarnish the glory of Tempest and turn this country into a ghost of what it is. Jean swings his mace once more, hitting Javert's shield and numbing her entire arm. Our nation has been a ghost of itself ever since that, that psychopath took to the throne. If you have any honor, you and your troops will stand aside. Javert lunges forward, her sword a blur. Jean tries to dodge, but the blade grazes his shoulder. Our honor will be heightened with your head on a pike. So be it, Javert. You always were a warmonger, but instead of sitting in the office, you get to finally participate in one. Jean swings his mace, though Javert dodges it with ease. What surprises her, though, is the fist of the bugbear that catches her in the jaw. She stumbles back and slams her back foot down, steadying herself. Warmonger? Here you are slaying your fellow countrymen in a pointless battle. You are the one sending home caskets, not me. If I must tarnish my name, then so be it. That fool of a king cannot be allowed one more day. Our lives hang in the very balance of his, his madness. I will not see this war take any more away from me. Javert dives to the side of Jean as his mace hits the ground. He spins her legs and trips Jean, having him land on his back. <gasps> she stands over him with a sword raised. Do you not see? We have no choice but to fight in this war. Our enemies will not allow us a moment of peace. They would rather see the nation of Tempest burned to the ground than let us live in peace. That was 20 years ago, Javert. All are tired from this war. All nations need this bloodshed to end before it gets any worse. Javert's hand hesitates for a moment as she looks into Jean's beating eyes. Do it now. Sink your blade into him. Take this treacherous fool's life before he takes yours. Jean picks up a discarded blade and in a flash shoves it into Javert. Ah! The elf captain's eyes go wide as she stares down at her stomach, the blade protruding from it. She screams and brings her sword down, sinking it into Jean's chest. Ah! We... We will fight. Flammas! Bugbear lets out one last scream and pushes the blade further into Javert. Ah! Javert falls backwards as Jean does the same. Both land with a thud as the battle presses on, forgetting them in the process. A light rain begins to pick up. As raindrops fall onto their faces, they wonder if the heavens are weeping over their folly. Almost there. Soon this world will know the might of Celestia. The last thing the two leaders see are tiny sparkles of their life flow out of their bodies and into the castle. We see two royal guards, a human and a lizard folk, 
running through the halls of the castle. The sounds of battle could be clearly heard from outside. The halls are empty and the torches sputter as the two are racing to the side entrance of the castle. Wait! Vienna, wait! What are you doing? I'm getting the hell out of here, sis. I just bumped into the captain's assistant and I saw a letter about me. She's going to have me in prison. Why? The captain has no reason to do so. Yenna comes to a grinding halt and Zisk almost runs into them. I told the captain. I told her about our talk this morning. Zisk's face grows pale and eyes go wide. Did you? No, just what I was thinking. Though she might imprison you as well, since we've been on patrols together for some time. Why would you do that? Do you think she was suddenly going to go all soft and feel bad because you feel bad? This is war, Vienna! I assumed there was some shred of decency in Captain Javert. I thought she would listen to my pain and give me words of comfort. You fool! You've doomed me! You've doomed us both! This is how I kept my hashlings fed! I... I'm sorry, I didn't think about that. Of course you didn't. You were just so hell-bent on being right. Some of us don't have the luxury to stand on an ivory tower and preach our moral superiority. Gods, Vienna, my children! Look, just talk to the captain. Tell her that you had nothing to do with it, that you tried convincing- Oh, and I suppose she will show me the same sympathy she showed you? There is only one way I will get out of this. Zisk draws her sword and takes a step towards Vienna. Vienna backs up, drawing their own blade. Zisk, what are you doing? I have to capture you. If I capture you and bring you back, it will show my loyalty. I do not wish to kill you. Drop your sword and face the wall. Zisk, no. I'm sorry, but I cannot go into that jail. The inmates will kill me. I'm sorry, Vienna. You've left me no choice. Zisk lunges forward and swings her sword. Her blade hits the wall as Vienna dodges to the side. Vienna swings their blade in a wide arc, but Zisk manages to catch it with her own. Zisk pushes Vienna off and kicks them in the stomach. Vienna falls back, knocking into a door. Zisk charges forward, plying her shoulder into Vienna and knocking the door right off of its hinges. The two hit the ground and begin wrestling. Two rebels come across the scene. Shit, guards. We have to take them out. No time. Zisk and Vienna look up surprised as the drow descends upon them with military precision, sinking a blade into each of their fists. They both cry out in pain and shock as glittering light leaves their bodies. They wheeze and gasp for breath as Imra turns their back to them and cleans their swords. By the gods, Imra. You could have just knocked them out. We don't have time for that. Let's move. If we're fast, we can grab Nyx on the way. Imra and Throfelda quickly rush into the castle's newly removed doorway as the rain begins to trickle down. Zisk and Vienna look at one another, clutching their throat. Their grips loosen as their energy fades. Zisk's eyes are filled with a fury as tears stream down her cheeks. Vienna looks upon their friend, regretting this day and the conversations which occurred. As the two sets of eyes glaze over, trickles of life force leave their bodies and weave their way to the throne room. We see a drow warrior running beside a dwarven engineer. They are both equipped with army-grade armor and weapons as they charge down the empty castle halls. 
The dwarven woman has sweat beating on her brow, but the drow seems like they could run for days. Shouldn't be much further. I heard they had the dungeon moved up to the first floor because the basement was set up to test experimental weapons. They're testing weapons? Below the castle? That doesn't seem very safe. Well, the king started to get paranoid when Zygarde told him that people could be stealing trade secrets. He figured that if they were in his basement, then they couldn't be stolen. Gods, it is a wonder how that fool hasn't died yet. Hey, shouldn't there be castle staff around or or something? This place is empty. Well, there is a battle outside. Maybe they're all holed up in some safe room or something. That makes sense. Makes it easier for us. Soon. Soon what? Huh? You said soon. Soon what? I didn't say anything. Oh, finally the cells. The two run up to a long row of cells that have been haphazardly placed in what had once been a parlor to entertain guests. A few pieces of the furniture even remained in some of the cells. Sitting on a red velvet piano bench was Nyx. The dragonborn was nursing a black eye, but otherwise relatively untouched. Oh, thank the gods. I was worried I would have to hear that Zygarde person gloat to me again. The king's advisor. Yep. Turns out there's some bigwig in the Church of the Shining God. Imra tries key after key on a large ring of keys taken from the guards. Gods, why do these guards have so many keys? I must have tried ten already. Hey, do you know where my sword is? Sorry, Nix. We don't have the time to fetch it. Battle outside is fierce, and Jean can't keep that up forever. Shit. All right, I'll have to come back another time. It's just a sword. You can get a new one. Ha, got The cell door swings open, and Imra tosses Nix a short sword. See? New sword. All right, let's move. The three start moving quickly, with Throfelda in the lead. They wind through passages, up staircases, and through connecting rooms. It's not just a sword. I spent a lot of time crafting that thing. The runes on it are incredibly dangerous. Not just anyone can wield it. Magic swords are a dime a dozen in Haymore. Don't worry about it. Thorfelda can build you something ten times cooler. True. I just would need a rest first. I told you to practice your cardio for this, Thorfelda. God damn, your cardio. Finally, the three make their way to a long hallway lined with statues of valiant past rulers. Magitech lights illuminate the path leading to a large double door inlaid with gold leaf work. As they stop, suddenly two strands of life force swell from them into the throne room. One from Throfelda and one from Ibra. More. Bring me more. What the... what in the hell? My, my head is spinning. I hear yet. It must be some sort of magical ward. What are you two talking about? I feel fine. Imra squints at Nyx with a pained expression. You don't really feel that? Maybe your freaky Outer World stuff is keeping you safe. Hmm, it's possible. But more importantly, shouldn't there be guards posted here? Yeah, this doesn't feel right. We don't have time for this. We need to kill the king. We will not have another opportunity like this. The three press on and open the door to the throne room, 
It opens with ease to a horrific scene. The room is filled with corpses of the castle staff and guards. Everywhere on the floor was a body of some butler, cook, or guards person. Reaching towards the door, their color gone from their body, leaving gray-skinned husks. Across a sea of corpses stands Zygird, a number of nobles, King Leolin waving a sword around. These will do, Leolin. Bring them to me. The time is nigh. Hmm? Oh, more peasants! Hey, that's my sword. Chosen! You foul demon spawn. Did those two release you? Rofelda pulls the trigger and a Magitek rifle fires into the air. Everyone shut up. We're here to kill the damned king. King Leolin smirks as Rofelda aims her Magitek rifle at the king. The magic from the rifle is suddenly leaked out of it, sailing through the air in a chaotic dance and going straight into the harp. That, that's impossible. What in the nine hells is that harp? Oh, like my harp, do you? This was a gift from the Church of the Shining God. They saw that only a true ruler could wield such a powerful weapon as the Celestial Harp. The nobles nervously smile and nod at this, some of them even applauding. Meanwhile, Zygird has a look of hatred fixed on Nyx, who is distracted by his sword that Leolin is swinging around. Then we won't use magics, I'll cut you down where you stand! Imra charges forward, expertly stepping between the bodies. They begin the mesmerizing dance of a blade singer, lifting themselves along as though they were a dancer at one of the many balls for the king. Just as Imra was five feet away from Leolin, and it appeared that his life would end, Imra falters. Two wounds appear on their abdomen, tiny holes that begin to bleed. What? What did... <coughs> what did you do? Imra coughs up blood and begins to bleed from their eyes, ears, and nose as necrotic energy flows through them. Glittering energy can be seen leaving Imra and going directly into the heart. Imra! More, Leolin. I need more. The Kingdom of Bane must come to an end. Did you just see that? That heart just ripped energy right out of Imra. What are you talking about? To hell's with this! Thorfelda tosses her Magitek rifle to the ground and pulls out two spheres. Wait, Thorfelda. If you use those, we are all dead. The time for action is now, Nyx. I'm sorry. Thorfelda charges forward and hurls the explosives. Zygird sees this and, with a smirk, waves their hand. The explosives fly backwards and detonate in front of Nyx and Thorfelda. As the smoke clears, Nyx looks over and sees his companion. Her lower half is on the other side of the room, and she lay there gasping. <laughs> Good one, Zygert! Happy to serve, my king. Nyx crawls over to Throfelda, holding her hand. Oh god. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Throfelda. I didn't know the heart would be like this. It led us to our deaths. Rofelda's eyes are wide with rage and pain as she grips Nyx's shirt. Kill him. Free Hamor. Rofelda's hands fall limply to the ground as energy leaves her body and flows to the harp. A desperate Nyx looks up, his one good eye wild with panic, fear, and rage. 
King Leolin mocks Nyx, pretending to cry while the nobles standing behind the king nervously laugh and applaud. Zygird stares at Nyx, smiling smugly. What the hell's gonna even do? Nothing, chosen scum. Grovel at our feet, and we will offer you a merciful death. Wait, why hasn't the harp tried to take my life force? What? Harp, why don't you eat this peasant? The souls I use for fuel cannot be tainted. This one's soul is fused with foul, perverted magics, burning it away from meager power. The harp can't affect me. No. No, that's not right, Harp. Kill this peasant! If you use my power now, you shall not be able to destroy your enemy without harvesting more of your subjects. Do not worry, my king. I will take care of this trash, just like I dealt with the other chosen of this world. The Azimar steps forward as a dragonborn stands to his feet. Zygird rushes forward as their robes split open and numerous tentacles rip out of their abdomen. The first two tentacles strike Nyx in the thigh and head, but Nyx manages to catch the rest with his sword. Tentacles fly at a furious speed as Zygird takes slow, purposeful steps towards the Chosen. Your pathetic attempts at stopping the Shining God shall hinder us no more. Astoria and Herlot's days are numbered. Your Shining God will kill us all, you fool. They eat worlds. They do not leave survivors. That includes you, Zygird. You expect me to believe you. I've seen the Shining God. I've seen their majesty take form in front of me. With their aid, we will remove the blight that is all the other gods. King Leolin leans back and talks softly to the nobles around him. What are they talking about? Don't we all follow Tempest? I'm not too sure, your lordship. Another one of Zygird's tentacles lashes out and grabs Nyx's arm, breaking it with a resounding snap. Aha! I've seen what Doram does to her minions. You're as disposable as these ones were. Nyx strikes out with the short sword, and a few runes which are drawn on it in blood suddenly glow. The sword slices through two tentacles. Ah! This pain is nothing compared to what I'll make you feel! How dare you utter the Messiah's name! Tentacles shoot out like bullwhip. Bloody lines appear all over Nyx as he tries to defend with his one good arm. Finally, a tentacle lashes out, slicing Nyx across the throat. <laughs> Take that, you wretch. Now bleed out on the floor like a good little soldier. Nyx falls to the ground, holding his throat as the color drains from him. He attempts to crawl towards the cultist, leaving a trail of blood, but stops short and goes still. Zygird walks back to their king, and King Leolin turns around to face the nobles. Do you see now? Our might will be enough to destroy even the most terrible of foes. A noble lifts their hand, as though asking permission to speak. Not now. Now where was I? Ah, yes. Our foes, they shall tremble and openly weep when they see the full might of the Kingdom of Tempest. Behind the distracted King Leolin and Zygird, a large fleshy sack is formed over Nyx. It slowly splits open and Nyx's glowing blue eyes flick open. 
the temperature immediately drops and everyone's breath hangs in the air. What is this? Is this the harp's doing? Harp, did you make it chilly for some reason? No. This is the work of the Far Realm's power. Your enemy rises once more. The Chosen- <laughs> Suddenly, a blade bursts from Zygird's chest. Standing behind him is Nyx. His tattoo that was once just on his arm is now covering his chest and going up his neck. He pulls the blade out and pushes Zygird to the side. King Leolin falls back, scrambling for something to grab. Nyx picks up the discarded sword that the king was holding. I told you I would get this sword back. Keep it! It's gaudy anyways, totally not my style. Leave my throne room at once, peasant! Not without this heart. King Leolin's eyes go wide as he looks for something to use. A small rotted hand lays on the floor, having fallen out of Zygird's robes. King Leolin throws the hand at Nyx, hoping to stop him. The hand sails through the air and grabs onto Nyx. Nyx tries to take the hand off of him, but it holds tight. The hand begins to grow rapidly, pulling Nyx down to the ground while he slashes at it. The palm of the hand opens up into a horrific mouth, filled with rows of human teeth. Nyx tries to get away, but the hand crushes him and swallows them whole. <laughs> the hand then shrinks back to normal size, leaving a worn-out king looking befuddled at his flock of nobles. We see a bustling city sprawling out along the edge of a coast. Great walls surround it and griffin knights can be seen flying overhead. Wagons pull in goods as merchants are coming and going from this busy scene. A gentle breeze blows over a hill that overlooks the city. Suddenly birds take flight and animals flee as the sounds of a hundred strange screams are heard ripping through time and space with a sickening squishing sound. Nyx rolls out of a tear in the air, laying on the ground, panting. Viscera of unknown creatures covers him. A bald man leans over Nyx. His eyes are open as wide as they can be, and he smiles, revealing all of his teeth. What the hell? Where am I now? <laughs> Who do we have here? Nyx, I presume? Quintos, what are you doing here? I am enjoying a nature hike outside Sanctuary and hoping that nothing eats me. What are you doing here? Nyx sits up slowly and painfully, seeing the city for the first time. A spark of realization hits. Sanctuary? What, I'm back on Toral? We have a widow, ladies and gentlefolk! Now get back to work! Well, you certainly haven't changed. Ah, shit. I don't have the heart. Mm-hmm, don't you worry your slacker mind about that. Death Shift is off to get it. No, that heart is way more dangerous than we thought. We need to contact them. I'm afraid that's a no-go. One, because I don't trust you around my ham radio. And two, because we can't contact other planets. 
we have been effectively cut off since a portion of the sky was consumed. What? And they already left? Yes! Right around the time you arrived, which is suspicious. I need to tell a story. Nyx goes to stand up, but his body has been pushed too far. He collapses onto the ground in an exhausted heap, crashing into Quinto's perfectly laid out picnic. Rude! You are laying on my cheese platter! As we move away, we see Quinto's pulling clones out of his body to move Nyx. Giant tentacles come crashing down in the far distance where the Isles of Evermeet lie. wind whips dangerously fast as King Leolin leads his group of nobles to the top of the castle. A few guards are stationed up here, but most have left to help with the fight. In the distance, the darkened keep can be seen. For as far as the eye can see, the land has been torn up by machines of war and the boots of weary soldiers. At last, I can feel the energies of the ley line. Those castle walls were too shielded with arcane wards. Hooray! Does that mean it's time for me to be a war hero? Yes. The blood that has been shed today shall bring the Kingdom of Bane to its knees. Mm-hmm, cool. I, I just want to blow stuff up and be remembered for it. Let's do this thing! Do you not see the triumph that this is? Good shall vanquish a great evil. This is our sacred mission. I don't really do missions, per se. I do more whatever it is I please. Anyways, enough of the lecturing. Let's do this thing. King Leolin leads his nervous group of nobles to the edge of the castle facing the kingdom of Bane. He holds the silver and gold harp and begins to play. The winds fade away almost immediately. King Leolin's hair begins to raise as his eyes glow a radiant white. Shine, Celestia, shine. Purify the grounds where evil has steeped. Wash away the sin that has corrupted these lands so that divinity may flourish again. Be gone, foul near dwells, and arise the faithful. With the power of Celestia, I purge thee. A stream of white light erupts from the celestial harp. All of the nobles' eyes grow wide as they bleed from their eyes, noses, and mouths. The group of nobles collapses a tidal wave of radiant energy pushes its way to the Kingdom of Bane, leaving only death and destruction in its wake. 